Welcome in to the Locked On Knicks podcast, Monday morning quarantine edition, another crossover with the boys over at Locked On Nets, Josh Bass, Marcus Barahal. Join me to go over every single NBA award, including All-NBA, part one, including a discussion on who the real MVP is, next on Locked On Knicks. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team Every day. Knox foul from behind. Count at one. What he does is contagious. Robinson with a catch and slam. Across the lane to Trier. Trier drives Become infectious. Welcome into another edition of the Locked On Nets podcast. It is the first part of a series we are calling the Quarantine Chronicles. Uh, myself and Marcus Barahal, joined by Gavin Shaw. Of course, the NBA season uh, has been postponed for 30 days. I think we're about five days into that now. We'll, in all actuality, probably go uh, on postponement for much more than 30 days. We have no idea if there's going to be... Uh, a closeout to the 2019-2020 season. So we decided if there's no more basketball this year, let's do our awards picks. First of all, guys, Marcus, Gavin, how are you? I'll go first. Uh, I'm good. Uh, still hold up uh, at home. Took a walk yesterday, though, which was which was very lovely. Um, was good to get some natural vitamin D. Uh, but yeah, excited to talk basketball because there's been none of it for a few days, and it's been it's been weird. Yeah, I've been playing one-on-one uh, Nerf ball with my roommates, but just doesn't. I, I actually, guess, uh, I did the exact same thing with with. Yeah, Sarah. same. It's a level of competition, just not what you expect from from NBA basketball. It's close. Yeah, everyone's really packing the paint. I think Nerf ball hasn't gotten to um, really where we are currently in the NBA. They're still more in, in that '80s mindset. Yeah, there's a lot of carries too. No one can really dribble it. True, Gavin, how are you? Yeah, hey guys, Gavin, Locked On Knicks. Appreciate the uh, the introduction and thanks for sharing all my accolades and uh, and everything. That was that was really cool of you guys. Um, yeah, no, I've been I've been doing really good. Um, I've really gotten in touch with myself the last week. I've left my room a total of three times in the last thirty six hours. I've not had food in that time, but I have <laughs> had half a cup of water and a couple pieces of pineapple. <laughs> With a smidge of almond butter, and that was that was just a delectable way to start my morning. So I'm I'm really excited to get into this and talk some hoops with you guys. Guys, award season, very exciting stuff. Um, first of all, let me get your takes. Are you guys big in general NBA awards, folks, or is just it more so that uh, this is the only thing we have left to talk about for basketball? Um, I th- I think for me, um. I liked it more before they had the actual like NBA awards show that was like that's now like after the season. I liked it better when it was like uh, in April, like right after the regular season ended and whatnot, because it was fresher in everyone's minds, which is kind of why I'm glad we're doing this podcast. that's still like fresh right now, whereas I feel like if uh, the season does end up resuming in like June or July or whatever, and then they do the awards like after the playoffs and whatnot, it might not be until like. August or September that we actually like have these awards announced, which is crazy. I mean, that's like so far from almost a full year from the actual start of the season. So uh, I like the awards. I, I don't like the timing of them. Yeah, I uh, I'm I'm a big fan. I just I kind of like the drama 
each and every year. The All-NBA teams are my favorite because I think there's the most room for nuance there. And MVP is is generally pretty clear cut for me. And a lot of the awards are usually fairly clear cut for me. Though that might be because I don't necessarily care as much about the tertiary ones. But I really I really like All-NBA and, and MVP. Obviously, there are years like the Harden-Westbrook-Kawhi um, year like where you genuinely don't know who you're going to pick or like, or who, who's the right answer like that. Like, I mean, I, I didn't think it should have been Russ that year. Like I thought it should have been one of Kawhi or James, but I genuinely didn't know. And I think that's, that's a lot of fun. So I'm, I'm into them uh, depending. Nice. I like, I like those answers. That's good. Uh, and Mar- Marcus, this is kind of your project here. So kick us off on what we are going to start with today. Sure. Um, well, I, I had a lot of awards listed. There's there's the MVP, Rookie of the Year, Sixth Man, Most Improved, Coach of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, and then, of course, the All-NBA teams that Gavin mentioned as well. Um, why don't we start with, with, with the biggest award? Let's start with MVP, and then we can uh, do the rest of the awards and then finish maybe with the, with the All-NBA teams. How's that sound? Awesome. Sounds lovely. <laughs> okay. Um, I don't know about you guys. I did uh, my top five MVP choices. I think uh, I'm assuming actually that, that all of us are going to have Giannis and LeBron as the as the top two in some order, and then I think three through five uh, could get interesting. You can like uh, that's where you, I, I tend to kind of be influenced more by like story uh, sometimes, not just like an individual statistics um, and like longevity and like the, the consistency throughout the year. So. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll just start with I had Giannis one and LeBron two. Did did you guys agree with that, Josh? What are your thoughts there? <laughs> yes, I did. So I ranked my top three for all of these. I had Giannis one, LeBron two. I think, uh, especially when you're looking at someone who's been the presumptive front runner since basically the season started, people get bored of that narrative. And I think obviously LeBron has had a sensational couple weeks, and then coupled with Giannis getting injured. If we were kind of playing this out the rest of the season, there was a chance that LeBron's momentum could overtake Giannis. But right now, with the season kind of cutting off where it did, I think Giannis did enough, the Bucks did enough as a whole for him to be named the MVP from just a absolutely sensational season. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm in total agreement with the top two. I just, in general, like I, I take issue with the talk that LeBron was a legitimate candidate here. And like not not in the sense that I don't think it's, it's plausible that come playoff time, he's, he's the one guy in the league you would most want on your team. And he is like, I think the only argument for it is that he, he's just operating the game at a level. I honestly don't think we've seen from any player outside of maybe Magic Johnson in, in the history of the league in terms of dictating where his teammates are on the floor and reorganizing, reorganizing guys and bring guys up and bring guys down. And basically, I mean, preemptively picking a part of defense with his mind before he does it physically. Like I, I just, I don't remember anyone who's ever again, had the, just that combination of physical prowess and intelligence about the game. It's, it's pretty insane to watch, but just doesn't even touch Giannis defensively. And even on the offensive end of the floor, I would I would argue Giannis has been slightly better. I mean, the guy's averaged like a point per minute this year, one of the top five rebounders in all of basketball. And Milwaukee, I, I know they just lost to LA, so it's 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 fresh in everyone's mind, but they've been far and away the best team in the sport this year. With a roster that, yeah, granted, like up and down is probably slightly more deep. Then the Lakers, but he's, he does. It's not like he's Anthony Davis on his team. He's doing this with Chris Middleton and a bunch of randos. Like it's it's a pretty incredible accomplishment. So I, I just think Giannis is a pretty obvious uh, number one. 
Yeah, I, I think for me, um, offensively, I think it's closer maybe than you gave it credit for just because LeBron's passing, like he leads the league in assists, 10.6 assists per game. Yeah. Uh, their scoring numbers, even though Giannis is playing fewer minutes, are, are relatively close. It's it's 29.5 to, to almost 26 for LeBron. Um, and then uh, percentage-wise, LeBron... Uh, 35, 50, 70 splits, Giannis, 31, 55, 63. Um, so there's not a ton of separation for me in terms of like efficiency. Um, Giannis maybe slightly better uh, in terms of, of scoring this season, but LeBron's assists for me like bring him up. So offensively, I think they're pretty even, but, but like you said, defensively, uh, and we'll get to defensive player of the year, I think Giannis is definitely in the conversation for that as well. I don't think it's close. I think LeBron's defense this year um, has been better than in the last year or two, but uh, still Giannis's versatility um, and just frankly, like his youth and athleticism allow him to defend the rim, defend on the perimeter and kind of lock up anyone when he needs to. Yeah. And I think we we would all agree that if let's say LeBron Giannis switch teams, I think the Lakers would be so much better than the Bucks in that scenario. Because imagine what Giannis could do with Anthony Davis, because Yes, in theory, the Bucks have a shooting center right now in Brooke Lopez, but he hasn't been able to make shots at all this year. And you couple um, what Giannis can do with a guy like AD, and now the, the floor is even that much more space for him. I think they would be succeeding a lot more than the Bucks would with LeBron and Giannis's place in Milwaukee. Yeah, I, I, I yeah, I'd be interested in that. Actually, I have, I have no clue because I mean. The, the Bucks have, I think, more shooting than, than the Lakers do in their supporting cast. So it would be interesting to see LeBron with that uh, extra shooting. You know, it's funny. I was literally, I was I was thinking that, like, when I was hearing uh, our guys, uh, Rusillo and Simmons, uh, talk about this on their little podcast, whatever it's called. Um, and I, I was really, I was in my mind, I was just like, how good would the Bucks be with LeBron? And, and that's sort of the other case for me. Like, I think they would be pretty close to as good of a team as right now. Like, I, I just think with, like, obviously Giannis has turned himself into a really strong passer with his ability to draw double and triple teams. Like, he, he makes some great reads and he makes their offense run. But with what LeBron can do and the way they've sort of perfected floor spacing, like, I, I almost, I think their offense collectively might be a little bit more potent. Yeah, yeah Giannis, Giannis defense, quietly though. was at six assists a game this year in, in the 31 minutes. So he, he's definitely improved his passing uh, without getting a ton of credit for it, I feel like. Right. On defense, though, I think that's the part where they would actually really yeah. slip. Because, I mean, like the Bucks have been so good on defense this year. And part of that's having a guy like Giannis who can be everywhere, seven feet tall, extremely athletic. Um, and LeBron can obviously has gone to that level in the past and, and can be in very limited stretches. But given where he's at in his career right now, he can't expend that energy over a full 82-game season. Yeah, I, I think that's right. And uh, Josh, now I'm curious because you you mentioned that you did a top three. Who did you have third after these two? Yeah, I had James Harden at third. I think it was— I did too. Yeah, something I had to think of between him and Luka. But overall, I think Harden's edge in games played. And Luka, you know, he obviously had that insane start to the season. Uh, but he has slipped off a little bit. and. When you look at his percentages overall, 32% from three this year, um, kind of a mediocre true shooting after the All-Star break. And I think, obviously, Luka is an insane talent, someone who I'm going to have consistently in my awards list as we kind of scroll down this list and will be um, there kind of entrenched for the next decade plus. Um, but I think a lot of the buzz he got for the MVP was just due to him being a second-year guy and, and kind of a wonder kid. 
But Harden overall, I think his resume is much stronger than Luca's. No, nothing against Luca; it just kind of is a fact of the matter. Yeah, and uh, you mentioned the thirty-two percent shooting from three. That, that's like a crazy stat to me because it like doesn't really match the eye test at all. Like when when I think of Luca, I think of all those step backs that like just kind of float in, and he has such a high arc on his shot, and he looks like he's in slow motion, that kind of thing. And Harden's the guy who gets knocked for his shooting. And granted, Luca has a higher like overall field goal percentage, but but Harden's shooting thirty five percent from three this season. Luca thirty two, like you said. Giannis thirty one, like only one percentage point behind Luca. And I know his are much more wide open. He doesn't shoot as many, um, but still, like that that tells you like Luca definitely has room to improve, which is mm-hmm. crazy. Like if he can uh, bring that efficiency up a little bit more, uh, you could definitely see him like cross thirty points per game probably next season. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. I had Harden third, Luca fourth, and then uh, I did a fifth spot as well. I had Chris Paul fifth uh, over Kawhi was probably the other guy I would consider there. Oh, that's interesting because I, I had and maybe I, I I get why this is wrong just based on number of games, but I, I think I had Kawhi third out of that group. Oh just, wow, Harden's been just like so inefficient this year. I mean, 43% from the field, 35% from three, and I get that he kind of compensates Wait, for it because he what? shoots so many free throws. But, like, those, I mean, the shooting numbers have, and there's just been, like, long, there have been stretches where, like, he's been arguably the best offensive player in the league. And then, like, recently, and also there was a stretch earlier in the season where he just really, really wasn't, like, scoring at a high rate and, like, has all these games where he's, like, 7 to 30. And, like, when I take into account that, like, I, I, honestly, like, Harden, like, especially in the small ball look, has been pretty solid defensively this year. But just how dominant Kawhi still is on that end. And how much Kawhi is sort of keying a dominant Clippers team. And I get that he has a better roster around him than Harden does. But I just, I think Kawhi's probably contributed to winning a little bit more on a per game basis, even though he's played 10 less. So maybe I'm projecting forward a little bit that Kawhi would have played most of the rest of the season and made it at least a little bit more comparable in terms of percentage of games um, with Harden. Uh, so I, I don't, I don't strongly disagree, but I think. Yeah, I think just, to, just to push back, back on the. the- or you got? Are you? If you're gonna, yeah. Sorry, I was just, I was just gonna say quickly, just to push back on the the contributing to winning thing. I, I think you're definitely projecting forward and projecting specifically into the playoffs because in the regular season the Clippers were four games ahead of the Rockets in the standings. And like you said, I, I think the Clippers have a better overall roster. I, I don't think uh, they're like four games ahead in the standings is enough to really justify that. I think Harden, like you mentioned, playing the more games. Uh, statistically, like having to do more for that team, I think is, is enough for for me to put him third. Josh, Wait, where you can I just say with yeah, the, yeah. Paul, no, well, uh, let me just go, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. So I was just going to say that Harden has a much higher true shooting percentage than Kawhi on higher usage, also, and I think to do that and have basically the same true shooting percentage as last year, while swapping out Chris Paul and bringing in Westbrook, who's obviously going to make life a lot tougher for you, is really really good. So just because his raw field goal percentage is low just given how many free throws he takes and the proportion of threes to his overall um, field goal diet, it makes him a more efficient player. So I think offensively, he's just blowing Kawhi out of the water. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, he's definitely been better. I mean, I, I, I'm just looking for true shooting percentage. I couldn't find his effective field goal percentage is only a point higher than Kawhi's. And also, I mean, part of my case was also that Paul George has missed like the vast majority this year and really plays like 20 minutes a game when he's played. So once you remove that, like the rosters, like honestly, like aren't dramatically different. And I mean, again, you, you stretch out the four games over a full season that it manifests itself into a, a slightly 
bigger difference. I, I, like I, I don't I don't think it, I don't think you guys are wrong. Like I think it's I think it's pretty close. But I, I just think Kawhi with what he brings defensively and the fact that he has diversified his game this year and also is averaging five assists and that's sort of become a big part of his offense. Like I I kind of want to give him credit for that. But again, I don't yeah. I don't feel particularly strong. No, he's, he's done a great job. I think like from a Thank talent you. standpoint, it might be kind of close. Uh, and between the rosters, but even like when you look at Paul George this year, yes, he's not hasn't been close to what he was, but he's still throwing. He's averaging eight three point attempts per game and hitting them at a forty percent clip. So now, if you look at him from a superstar standpoint to more of like a role player standpoint, he's a perfect fit around Kawhi, even though he's not uh, hasn't had the season that the Clippers clearly hoped. And obviously, it's been tough with him coming off the shoulder surgery. But I think from a fit perspective, the guys around Kawhi make it much more conducive for him to succeed than the guys around Harden. Wait, but like Paul, he's played how many? He's played forty-two games this yeah. year, and like he, he's out there for less than thirty minutes a game. Like, no, I'm not saying like he obviously has contributed, but he hasn't. Like, I don't know. I don't. I really don't think like like when you I think mean, Kawhi's, that, Kawhi's only played fifty-one. Kawhi's games. played fifty-one, so yeah, nine more. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> ten it's less than Harden. Harden's played ten more than Kawhi. Okay, but I think I think it really starts to matter when you get under fifty. It's, a, it's such an arbitrary cutoff. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's a shorter you know, season, also. Yeah, I know, like he, was, he would have gotten over fifty. Yeah, that was, it was intentionally arbitrary. I was just, <laughs> all right, we can move on. Uh, but just uh, one last thing, uh, I did have I had Chris Paul fifth. I don't know if you wanted to comment on that, Gavin. Oh yeah, I love it. I'm, I'm a really big fan. I think he's he, he made my uh, All NBA teams that I put together long before this podcast. Uh, <laughs> he's 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 been incredible. I'm I'm a big fan of that pick. Yeah, um, thirty-six percent from three, forty-nine from the field, ninety percent from the line. Played every game except for the day after Kobe Bryant died. Um, and yeah, just leading the Thunder to the same record as the Rockets this season, um, shocking everyone uh, way over their their over/under number for the season, which Gavin hid from me in our preseason over/under podcast. He he intentionally uh, deceived me and and wound up picking that one for himself. That was an easy win for you, Gavin. Sorry, I'm eating pineapple, but yeah, no, it was a good move by me. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that, that's that's the MVP ballot. I think we covered anything, Josh. Anything else you wanted to hit on that, or should we move on to Rookie of the Year? Uh, let's move on. Love the love the Chris Paul pick, uh, and and yeah. Okay, Rookie of the Year. Um, John Morant <laughs> is the Rookie of the Year. I I, I don't really want to uh, argue too much about that. I I think it's pretty clear. Um, for me, what's more interesting is if uh, I did a top three for this, if you guys think Zion should be second or if the fact that he only played 18 games means that he should be third or not even on this on this ballot. I personally have him second. I think that uh, just like the impact that he had in that short time and that I'm projecting forward, but that I'm assuming he'll have, I would feel like an insane person if I looked back in three years and didn't have Zion uh, somewhere on these ballots. Yeah, I, I agree with it personally. I mean, he's already in terms of like on off numbers, like one of the 12 or so best players in all of basketball. And he's he's keyed the Pelicans, even though they've fallen out of it a little bit lately, like them making a late season run towards the playoffs. And I think also like once you get past first place, like I'm not really opposed to just sort of, I mean, taking out like the raw analytics of it. 
a little mm-hmm. bit and just sort of go into like, okay, who made the biggest impact? Like who are the most memorable guys from the season? And I think, I mean, clearly Zion is the most talented of this rookie class. Uh, if he stays healthy, he's, he's on track to be a hall of famer and one, one of the better hall of famers at that. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty comfortable uh, slotting him at second, especially because I, I don't think there was another rookie who's had such a good year. You just have to be like, okay, you got to reward that guy. Like he's been kicking ass outside of Morant. Yeah, no, I, I agree with your take, Gavin. It's like, I think, Obviously, it's a bit negligent to put Zion first, given the season that Morant had. I mean, if it was kind of more of a situation like a few years ago where Brogdon had a really solid season and outperformed all expectations for a second-round pick, but maybe you want to give Embiid. I, I can I see kind of some merit there, but the season Ja had and what he's on track to do going forward, he obviously has to be number one. Zion I had at number two, just throwing him out there uh, because he did have a great 20 or so games. Uh, and deserves to be rewarded for that. And then third, my guy, Brandon Clark, who had an incredible season, um, was a guy that got a lot of hype before the draft for what he did at Gonzaga in that one year. Um, Obviously, I don't think anyone expected him to be this good right away, but he's been a huge contributor to what the Grizzlies have done this year. Um, Obviously, he doesn't have the ceiling or the impact of Zion, but very much deserves to be uh, number three on my ballot. Yeah, yeah. I love the the Clark pick. Um, I remember during the draft, like we were freaking out that he was falling so far and kind of wanting the Nets to trade up. But obviously they knew that they were getting certain guys in the offseason, so they couldn't uh, afford a first-round pick. Um, the guy that I had third was Kendrick Nunn. Um, 15.5 points per game, uh, 36% from three, 45 from the field, um, chipping in a little bit in rebounds and assists. I just thought that his contribution like to a lock playoff team and a team that uh, might have home court in the first round um, was kind of more than any other rookie. Like even just like numbers wise, it's not like a crazy season. He's just like kind of performing like solidly. But uh, like I said, just being like in the playoff rotation for a team being like a core guy and and doing it throughout the season. Also, like he had that hot start and he's kind of uh, along with John Morant, one of the few guys who has been like kind of consistent throughout this rookie year. Yeah, yeah um, your thoughts, Clarky or none? Uh, I'm I'm with you guys on none. I I kind of wanted to throw uh, Tyler Harrow <laughs> in there, but I, I didn't realize um, how many games uh, he's missed, and that uh, that took me out of it a little bit. Even though I'm a big I'm a big fan of him, and I think long term, like he's he's probably my pick to be the third best guy from this class, depending on how the Knicks build around RJ. And, and then I just want to give a shout out since uh, this this will be appearing on a locked on Knicks feed to. R.J. Barrett, who I think with, with a functional franchise, who uh, okay, right, that's not <laughs> true. Um, yeah, Josh, don't we don't we have enough problems right now that we don't need, we don't need Knicks Nets hate. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm on here supporting your loser franchise. The least you can do is support R.J. Barrett. Um, Gavin, yeah. you begged to be on this podcast. <laughs> I, I did, I did. I sent flowers that weren't uh, laced with anything. Um, yeah, I I think with the normal franchise. Um, that actually acquired shooting over the offseason, uh, R.J. Barrett would be in in this spot because I think he could have put up great numbers this year. And you've seen it of late when they've actually put the ball back in his hands that he's, by and large, been very, very good. Um, but that has not been the case. So, like Marcus, I'm, I'm really impressed with none. And more than anything else, like I, I thought even if his, if his role didn't diminish, his efficiency certainly would. But I, I'm just super impressed with his numbers across the board. I know you just went over them, Marcus, but I'll reemphasize. 45% from the field, 36% from three, 84% from the foul line. Uh, just just an awesome offensive player and, and a key cog on a really great team. So I'm, I'm going with Nunn. Yeah, quickly, my, th- my thing on Nunn is that I think he's obviously an incredible story. 
for what he did as an undrafted player. But I think if he was replaced with a replacement level guy, the Heat would kind of be similar. But Clark has made a huge impact to a team that didn't have any expectations. And he's basically been their third best player. You can even argue second ahead of Jaron Jackson. Wow. I, I don't, <laughs> he's good. I, yeah, I think I think Clark's clearly the better long-term guy, to be fair. Right. Okay. So, yeah, okay. I think I agree with that. All right, that's fine. And and Claxton, number four. I know, yeah. Shouting out Nick Claxton, too. <laughs> um, okay, so that's that's MVP and Rookie of the Year. Um, let's do Sixth Man next. This one was a little tricky. I felt like in years past, there's kind of been like a Lou Williams type, a Jamal Crawford type, like kind of just like an Eric Gordon, even like a clear scorer who plays like a ton of minutes and is just like, should probably be starting, but it's just like off the bench for some reason. And it's like, all right, this is clearly the guy this year. Um, there's no one who fits that exact profile. Um, so I kind of went with a guy similar to that. I went with Dennis Schroeder as my sixth man. And then I'll just tell you guys my, my full top three. I had Schroeder one, Harrell, Montrez Harrell second. And I went with Derek Rose third for the Pistons. Uh, Josh, what do you think? Yeah, I had the same order except Montrez and Schroeder flip-flopped. So oh. because... I'm kind of sick of the archetype of the 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 guard um, who just lights it up off the bench. Obviously, Schroeder had an incredible season, much improved. I think he could be in the in the mix for that. Spoiler to my ballot, uh, but I think being a, a really effective bench scorer as a big man uh, rather than a guard is much much tougher. So I just went with Montrez, who, um, in spite of everything with the Clippers, either Paul George in the lineup, out of the lineup, new guys coming in, new guys or old guys going out. He has been extremely consistent this year, uh, and he's kind of been a huge buoy to their team as some of the other guys are figuring it out and uh, really the rock in their lineup. So I went with Montrez first, Schroeder second, and then Rose third. Yeah, and, and Schroeder, 38% from three is crazy, but but Harrell also, I mean, so efficient getting seven rebounds off the bench. Um, he really fills his role well and kind of reminds me of like what a guy like Sabonis was doing uh, last year before eventually uh, starting this season. Um, yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see if they, like, wind up starting Harrell long-term alongside uh, George and Leonard. Gavin, what do you think about our, our ballots? Yeah, I don't know. I, I go, uh, hearing both of you guys, you guys both make good points. I think I'd, I'd lean Schroeder just because I tend to prefer, like, I think they're relatively, like, equal in terms of production this season. Like, I just think a creator is a little bit more valuable. Josh is... Josh's argument that Harrell's been like a constant, like sort of, I mean, you can argue the overall second best player on, on what I think is one of the two or three best teams in the league is, is pretty compelling. But at the same time, like what Oklahoma City's done th this year is just ridiculous. And I, I know they also have Chris Paul, they also have SGA, they also have Daniel Gallinari. They have a great big man in Steven Adams. But I, I just, I, I mean, Schroeder's been, sure. I, I just, I just come Schroeder's been Schroeder. <laughs> <laughs> Schrodem, yeah, yeah. Schrodem's been good this year <laughs> so yeah and and I just I love the way he shot the basketball and the fact that he averages four assists per game like I don't know like I think if you're like a big like I, I guess it's this is this is a weird existential basketball argument but like when you, when you look at if assists or rebounds are more valuable it's this weird thing where like I was gonna say like look like I think if you're big and you play a certain amount of minutes and I get that Harold's like particularly active you're just gonna get rebounding numbers but also if you're a guard playing 31 minutes a game it's pretty hard not to get four assists so I'm <laughs> I, I might and and it's pretty crazy I think this is again very off topic that SGA in 35 minutes only averages three assists per game but maybe that's because he's not on the ball as much anyways um I don't really know so I'm gonna I'm gonna call it a tie for Schroeder <laughs> yeah. 
first place. I think my thing with Montrez is that I think Gavin, to your point, a creator is very valuable, but he almost was a, a creator in, in a sense because um, think about just how many like pick and rolls that really weren't going anywhere that he can kind of catch the ball at the free throw line, being guarded and spin and either get fouled or, or make a basket. He's able to take a team um, in the Clippers where their bench might be a bit of a weakness. Some of the guards they have, like a Landry Shamit, are more so catch-and-shoot guys, run-off screen guys, and creators, and he can really make a lot out of nothing, especially on the offensive glass, averaging two-and-a-half offensive rebounds per game. Um, he's almost been—he's like the, the driving force of their bench unit as a big man. Yeah, Josh, you, you swayed me. I'm, I'm going over to Harold. Oh, yeah, you're honestly close to swaying me too. Like, I, I kind of want to reward his his energy and effort. Like, I I think Schroeder um, probably has more responsibility. Yeah. yeah, I think he probably has more responsibility just because Harrell is so often paired with Lou Williams, or like when he's with the Clippers starters, like he's he doesn't have as much defensive attention on him. I think Schroeder, even though he is out there sometimes in those three guard lineups that OKC uses, I think that the reason that Gavin pointed out SGA's assists are lower are because I think he's usually sharing the floor with either uh, Schroeder or Paul, and I think uh, Schroeder more so than uh, a guy like SGA is out there by himself sometimes to lead the second unit. So that, that's, I think, why I went with him. But the more the more and more we talk about it, I think I might, I might switch that up. All right, guys, that's it for this edition of the Locked On Knicks podcast. But be sure to tune in tomorrow. We're going to... Go over a couple more awards, including Depoy, Sixth Man of the Year, Most Improved. And then later in the week, I'm back with Alex and some special guests to go over goals for the Knicks players offseason. That and more in the near future in your Locked On Knicks feed. So stay tuned, stay safe, and wash your hands. <laughs>